1: What does Motion sound like? With Kizikans free shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of Motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at slash socks
0: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And folks, the win streak is dead as the Sabres fell to the Florida Panthers three to two on Tuesday. The Sabres were the visitors in this one and fell to a red-hot Florida team that has won eight of their last nine and continues to cement themselves as the front runners in the Eastern Conference. Upl gave another solid effort, picking up 34 saves against the potent Panthers offense, while Dylan Cousins and Tage Thompson scored for the Sabres. Old friend Brandon Montour had a goal and two assists in the game, while Sabres defenseman Eric Johnson skated just three minutes and 31 seconds and was benched for the entirety of the second and third periods. As the Sabres were fighting to tie the game down the stretch, we again saw Don Granado be very apprehensive and indecisive while pulling the goalie. He made the call very late, and it was after the top line had some sustained zone possession in the offensive zone. Taylor, it's been a problem, the entirety of Granado's coaching tenure, and quite frankly, it's mind-boggling that this hasn't been figured out yet. What are your thoughts on Granado's decision or lack thereof with pulling the goalie and just the game as a whole?
1: Yeah, I think it was a weird thing where they, they couldn't quite keep the puck down deep enough to do it, but also they almost had him pulled. It just God, it just speaks to them being bad in situations again, and we keep harping on this, but down one late. It was nice. I should, I will say it was nice they got a win Sunday in this type of situation, uh, but that that was just – it's it just feels like it's always like this. Yes, you're more likely to lose. You'll lose more games when you're losing by one late, and you're always going to lose a lot of games by one because the NHL is a league where games are close. However, the fact that they just couldn't, they just can't, not, not not score, it's that they can't even put themselves in a position to score where they can't pull the goalie effectively. They can't get set up in the zone. Their six-on-fives is a mess, just like their five-on-four is. Uh, it's just, it leads to all these things where it's just like, I don't know, I think if you're bad in all these specific situations, then maybe you're not a well-coached team. Uh, I that that's just I think that's what it comes down to in those situations. He's that they they end up being bad at a lot of specific situations when they get a goal, and that costs them in close games. And when you lose close games, I mean you you really hurt yourself in the NHL. It's it's a close league. This is there's a there's eight teams out of sixteen that make the playoffs in the conference, and there's not a huge difference in most years between the sixth best team and the tenth. And in the Sabres case this year, it's the difference between being in this zone between bad teams and contenders and being one of those contenders. We'd be disappointed probably still if UPL was having a season and it was like an open question, if they're going to make the playoffs, but it's worse. that it's not an open question the wrong way. (laughs) They're not making the playoffs. They're not even going to be that close. So yeah, that's, it's, um, it's very unfortunate. Yeah. Just this late in the season, they still look this sloppy in big situations. Yeah, I think a lot of the blame really rightfully
0: needs to come down on Granato here. It's like what you said, where there's just this these different examples of situational hockey where they just fall short. You know, You look at pulling the goalie as one. You look at the power play as another, where it just, as a whole, it's a mess. But the second unit in particular can't generate anything. The first unit really, like for much of... The, the season has looked stagnant and really hasn't had any finishing ability. Uh, you look at even just the approach coming into this season that has to fall on the coach, taking this approach where you switch up your style so drastically that you're focusing so much on defense that it takes away from your offensive generation in A league where this is where the league has been this is where the league is trending scoring is what wins you games of course you need to have you know sound defense and and good goaltending it's absolutely you know pivotal but the engine that drives all of the most successful teams in the nhl is the fact that they have potent offenses and can score and in spite of the fact that the sabers did have this, you know, philosophical switch for the first like 35 plus games of the year and then they eventually end up going back to what was working for them last year. Uh, it just it's still like that's something that absolutely falls on the coach for making the change in the first place and and correcting so drastically that it's taking away from the thing that was that you were best at last year, but also just that it took so long in the first place. So for me, I think it's just, again, like this conversation, I don't mean to belabor the point. I know neither of us are, but like, there's just so many areas, several areas I should say where it is clear pitfalls that fall on the coach and, and, and on decision-making by the coaching staff that, that includes Granado and the assistant coaches. So, you know, you have the roster and of course this roster has shortcomings, as we said, like they are, probably like two big additions, one on the forward side and one on the defensive side away from being like a real contender. But as we talked about, I think it was last episode, maybe the episode before, I just, I really don't feel like this team is as like desperately far off as it seems. I really don't. I think that there's a lot of good pieces there. You have the infrastructure of a good team. It's just that the general manager has not been able to make any putting a, a point on that, any important like acquisitions that are helping the team now and into the future. It's all these band-aid guys that really don't contribute much, if at all. Like the guy that we're, I feel like getting the most excited about from Kevin Adams is like Jordan Greenway. And he, while he's had a solid year this year, we're talking about a guy that on a good team is probably like a really good fourth liner. Yeah. Right. I don't think he's really anything more than that because you look at next year's team like I don't want Jordan Greenway blocking spots for for one making that external addition, but also if it is one of the first rounders that comes up and ends up stealing a spot next year. So, you know, it, it's just this coupling where like, yes, you know, maybe Granado has been dealt a tough hand in a way. I shouldn't even go that far, but maybe, yeah, it's not ideal. This isn't exactly like a a playoff contending roster or like to be like a contender within the playoffs. But with that being said, though, the bones are there for this to be a team that is in playoff contention and in the conversation and not like, you know, five and eight bills in the hunt, like firmly in the conversation here. And they're just not, They're, they're just not, you know, you're double digit points out now of, of this playoff spot and tomorrow's March, like it's, it is going to be March 1st and you are already more than 10 points out of the race. And I just, you're, you're getting the goaltending that you weren't getting last year and I can't help, but feel like a significant amount of the blame, whether you want to call it fair or not, like should be placed on Granado.
1: I agree. I, I have a hard time going back and forth because I think these last couple games are a good example of the the dual failures of this offseason and leading into the season. Yeah, the end of the game there, that was brutal. And you know, even the third failure I I'll complain about, even though it's probably evens out at, at some point down the line. Wow, officiating. What a disaster. It was particularly bad again. And then Granado had to I, I respect that he got into it and tried to defend his players, but maybe not at the best time and got a bench minor. Still, though, wow, what, what a year this has been in that regard. I don't know if there's some grand um, theory for why it's gotten so much worse this year, these couple of years in particular. I think I saw something about a lot of retirements and then there being a lot of new refs. That would explain mm-hmm. why we see so much of Justin Kia and Jordan Samuels Thomas, uh, who were hockey players like four years ago, and now were are right. NHL refs, not like AHL or junior refs. So that's something. <clears throat> but I think in general, it's yeah, just – yeah. Yeah, that's bad. But more to the point of what the Sabers can control, I've already gone over the situational thing. It's not good. But he, like you said, he's been a t- dealt a tough hand in some ways. In a couple ways, in particular, are some of the defensemen that Kevin Adams acquired in the offseason. Uh There's no way around it. I mean, Connor Clifton hasn't been good, and he's on a three year deal, so maybe that one's worse overall. Eric Johnson has been unequivocally the worst defenseman this year. And now I know they're playing him because they want to deal him, but. I think it seems like based on these last two games, that is a call from Adams because we went over it on Monday's episode. He only played 751 at even strength. while he only played 331 overall on Tuesday's game because he got benched after being on ice for a second terrible goal in a row. Or maybe it was just one goal. I'm trying to remember. But it was two games in a row of being on the ice for a terrible goal. Uh, that was unequivocally his fault. And weirdly, it, him, it, it's not like he just got beat on those. It's just like you have no idea where his head's even at in these plays. Like, why is he going that way? It, in these two goals, I think one was Sunday and one was Tuesday, he's separately skating off into corners while the goal is being scored. And it's the different corners. What, on Sunday, I believe it was the left corner, if you're looking at it from behind him, the other one is the right corner. Why is that happening? That is, that's a weird thing to happen. It's not like he's just slowing and getting beat. It's like he, he's totally lost which is just how he's looked for a lot of the season. I don't know what to make of that, but yeah, that's, that's pretty terrible. Um, yeah. I think in the fact that Granado benched him, it's pretty telling. Uh, Brennan, have we seen a lot of for tonight yet for the Thursday night game against Tampa? Mm, I do not believe so. I will check on that, but keep going. Yeah. I just, I just wonder if you see him. Cause at this point it's like, are you? I mean, I guess just play him if you think you're actually going to trade him, but. How much is this going to be? What are you going to get a fifth-round pick for? What do you care? Fifth-round pick isn't playing in all likelihood. Nope, and it's
0: coming. Well, and I was just going to jump in and say, it's also coming at the expense of two things. One, Ryan Johnson getting needed minutes that he should be getting as he has been one of the Sabres' best and most consistent defensemen this year. But also, what we talked about uh, either on Monday's episode or, or Thursday last week, the the run that Darlene has been on with how much ice time he's been eating. Now, obviously, he's joined some pretty elite company when it comes to the stretch that he's been on, as we talked about with Eric uh, Carlson and his stretch in 2016 that he had. But I, again in terms of just, like, mileage that Dahlin is is taking on, I don't want him playing 30 minutes a night. Like, it's great that he can, and it's great that he overall, like, has been looking a bit better, but... We just, we don't need this guy playing 30 minutes a night, like 25, 26. That's fine. But when having to dress Eric Johnson and then having to cover for his mistakes by benching him is then making your top defenseman just wear himself down by the amount of minutes that he's playing. Because again, like he's, he's handling himself. Okay. Now, but like this will add up, this mileage will catch up to him. It's, it's just an inexcusable thing. And at this point, it's like if if there is any suitors out there for Eric Johnson. Oh, Bruno, oh there's so many suitors. The, it's the NHL. Uh, right. Well, no, It', it nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, Pull the trigger on that now. Like, I, I mean, a perfect example of, I guess, like the inverse of this, of a team doing it the wrong way is the is the is the TANF trade with Calgary and Dallas. I don't know why Calgary felt the need to trade him now, given what the return was, because it definitely just, you know, judged on, or based on the fact that we are talking about Tanev netting, like a first round pick plus that he ends up going for a two conditional three. And then a a prospect that's not exactly like a high end prospect by any means. I, I, it just feels like, you know, they, they, they sold low on him. And if they would have held out maybe, or found another partner, maybe you could have got a little bit more there. I mean, good for Dallas on this, but like, again, even if it is, you're getting a a lesser return at this point, it's a benefit to you to not have to feel like you have the obligation to play this guy, like go get your fifth or sixth round pick, whatever I, who knows he's a right-handed defenseman with the veteran leadership. And he's won a Stanley cup. Maybe there is a a brain dead GM that's going to want to overpay for that. Uh, And by overpay, I mean like a fourth round pick, but at this point, really, what are you benefiting or how are you benefiting from keeping this guy on the roster and not just trading him for for whatever, for a bag of pucks? Like, it's, it's, it's causing wear on your top guys and it's preventing one of your young, promising defensemen from being able to get the regular ice time that, let's be clear, he has deserved. Ryan Johnson has deserved to be playing night in and night out. And it's it's really inexcusable. And the the last thing I'll say on it, going back to your point about just the how embarrassing it's been with Adam's additions, especially on the blue line. I, I just think back to this past offseason and, like, laugh in a way because of the fact that it has been so pathetic. Those additions will butcher, bring him back Mark Pessick, which, like, he's our boy. We love Mark Pessick, so no
1: disrespect there. But, it was a fine move. It's just yeah, a, it's but, a, like, like, not a hearing
0: move. But my point is though, is that uh Ilya Labushkin, like these other guys where Robert Hag. Robert Hag, the the bar is so low that this offseason we were all like, huh, a 35-year-old defenseman who just had a who just fell off a cliff last season, and a guy who really projects is probably a third pairing defenseman who's got very limited time on his first unit. Huh. Maybe this isn't so bad. When in reality, it's just us being thankful for breadcrumbs. Like you could have done, we all did. I know you and I definitely did. I fully own that, that we both did like the mental gymnastics for, justifying the moves as maybe being good. Like we said with Johnson, it's a cup winner that can help with the room, a former first overall pick. He had a down year last year, but the year prior he had good metrics. And so maybe it was just like a little bit of a fall off and in a new situation in a different role, he would be able to bounce back with Clifton. It's a a third pairing guy who had time on his, who had some time on the first pair or playing up with like elite defensemen and Hampus Lindholm. But for the most part was a third pairing guy, but maybe in a a change of scenery and coming from a winning culture, it'll help with the Sabres and and taking the next step. Like that's a lot of words to just say these guys weren't that good. And we were taking a chance on them. And well, what about Clifton
1: though, in his case? What do you mean? That's what I was saying with Clifton. But what do you, what do you mean by that? Like he was, uh, he was a regular guy on the bet with the best regular season team ever. I don't think there was mental gymnastics. I think it was reasonable to be like, oh, he's a third pairing guy in Boston. Maybe he can be on our second pair. Maybe he can be in our third pair. Like, I think what happened to Clifton... People is were unexpected. talking about
0: him maybe being on the first pair, though.
1: Well, that like, was this, silly. This,
0: this was like, is this a power partner? Is this a Darlene partner? And I think
1: even I in was the thinking case, power partner, yeah. Yeah, but
0: even in that case, I feel like... I mean,
1: look at how it's gone, you know? Oh, I know. I, I just think the Clifton... I mean, the Eric Johnson thing you should be able to see like when a 35-year-old starts to look bad, that's yeah. it, it's over. But with Clifton, it's like guys in his prime. Like, what the hell happened? Yeah, but neither remember. of
0: those. But but that's what I'm saying though, Taylor. Is that like for in Clifton's case, sure, yes, he was on a good team, and it was like, oh, okay, this could be a good third pair guy or something. But again, why is why is it that the only acquisitions that happen on this blue line are bringing in guys to play on the third pair? Yeah. That's basically we're we're thankful for breadcrumbs. We're like, wow, this could actually work out. And like, yeah, sure. Like the Clifton thing, it was like, I'm not going to fault them for that. I mean, you can say now in hindsight, like, yeah, maybe three years was a little bit too much, but like, it was a fine idea trying to go after him. But again, it's expecting these guys to play into roles that they're not able to, rather than going out and getting somebody actually suitable for the role.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I think, Joe Marino pointed out all the Sabres, all the Kevin Adams uh, blue know, line acquisitions. And basically ranges from like, oh, that guy is a good third-pairing guy to, oh, that guy's not such a good third-pairing guy. It it really is. I would just say, though, there is a, there's a range of good and bad ones. All things considered, I think Eric Johnson might be the worst one. Because at least they got paid to take Will Butcher, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like in Robert Hag, they were perfectly fine benching, taking a guy who's such an important locker room guy that you can't bench while he's washed. with Eric Johnson, that was that's tough. I figured this summer that they would be more willing because they at that time they still had nine defensemen, they'd be more willing to make those moves, but uh, apparently not. And uh, it's it, it's number the disaster number two of the season behind the power play is Eric Johnson's play. And again, in terms of Clifton, I don't know what the hell to say. Like you can't tell me he was this bad last year. <laughs> we would have noticed. I know I he had to a tough finish to the season and got benched in the playoffs, but
0: yeah, I I don't even know what to say. It's uh it's disappointing to say the least. And again, there's it's a it's a point that deserves to be made over and over and over again by each and every fan that if they plan on keeping Kevin Adams around this offseason, which they obviously seem like they're going to. There is no excuse to continue with this development for the sake of development track where we are only icing homegrown guys and only playing homegrown guys in these key roles. You need to go out and make a substantial addition to the forward group and a substantial addition to the blue line. And anything less than those two things happening is inexcusable inexcusable fireball offense how this has gone already is like I feel like a fireball offense more so I guess on Granado's part but like if they go into next year and their defensemen are like it's Darlene Samuelson Johnson uh Clifton and then you know two guys that they pull from free agency that are again like career third pairing guys it's not enough it's it's just flat out, not enough. And yeah, obviously, Yoki Haru, like, if they bring him back, like, all of this. It is inexcusable. It's not enough. And the guy should be fired by August if he's not making these moves.
1: Yeah, I I think basically what you want is someone to play with power. And you can think of, I guess, Darlene Samuelson is the first pair. That's fine. Darlene Yoki Haru is the first pair. And then Samuelson Clifton is the third pair. I don't know. Maybe Johnson. Uh, Who knows? Oh, Johnson's around too. Yeah. Uh, You got to consider him. Clifton, I don't know what the hell to do with that. But uh, Yoki Haru, Bryson, Stillman, Clegg, all free agents, I believe. Yeah. Yoki Haru RFA. Oh, uh, that's I. You know, I wouldn't mind bringing back Yoki Haru. You? you just can't bring back everyone. <laughs> Learn the lesson that you, you should have learned from the forward group this past off season. Just because you can justify bringing someone back doesn't mean you should do it. Limited amount of spots on the roster.
0: Can I throw something at you really quick? I mean, and I know I'm going to admit that this is like absolute pie in the sky shit. I think that they need to make two big additions, and I think that it should be guy or Darlene and guy power and guy and third pair you go Ryan Johnson and Matias Samuelson you you just you gotta switch it up and you gotta make a couple of like more impact moves there I, I know Yoki Haru has had a fine season this year has, has definitely bounced back and it looked well especially like getting his time with Darlene but if he's got value, use him as a piece to, to go out and get a bigger move. Like you just, you, you have these assets, you have the the depth of these assets ranging from prospects to a, a certain amount of like younger roster players that you can use. And I just think that, I don't know. I, I think that there needs to be two. I think that Darlene should have a new partner next year. Somebody suitable to play with him and power should as well. And then you utilize Johnson and Samuelson on your third pair.
1: I disagree. I don't think you pay someone to play with Darlene. I think the point of paying Darlene $11 million or whatever is that you don't need to pay someone a lot of money to play. I with.
0: don't think it's about paying. I think it's about making a trade. I think maybe you can find powers partner in a uh, free agency potentially, but I think for Darlene, I'm not saying go out and get like Charlie McAvoy. Like I- I'm saying, get somebody that is like a good enough guy that could be like that complimentary piece, like a, a perfect example that a guy that I really wanted the Sabres to go after in the off season. We talked about him in a few of our episodes, but like make a move for somebody like Sean Dursey, for example, like look how well he's turned out playing in an increased, an enhanced role in Arizona, you know, yeah. like, make, make a move for a guy like that, that has proven that he actually can on a consistent basis, play up and down the lineup on the blue line and has an extended run of, of playing on like in a team's top four like a legitimate top four defenseman that is on like a, you know, that, that has a little bit of term. I know that they don't grow on trees, but it's not out of the realm of possibility for them to be able to go and do that. And no, they don't have to go pay a guy like $9 million to play on their top pair. That's not what I want them to do, but to be able to identify somebody that actually is of the caliber of being able to play with Darlene and Darlene should be able to carry his own pair. Like, let's be clear about that. But, at the same time, like you can't just put anybody next to him as we've seen this year and with power for his case, it's the same thing that we went through with Darlene in the early goings of his career, that you are doing him a disservice and his development, a, a major disservice by continuing to trot him out there with guys that aren't helping in his growth and making him better. And instead relying on him to do or to carry a a load. That's much larger than he should even though he is obviously, you know, going to be great and he's going to be really solid. Like you got to be able to give these guys support and you can't say, Oh, well you two are just good. So we're just going to roll you out there with Joe Schmo. Like I, it just feels like they, they do need to kind of maybe recreate things a little bit and invest, like use some of these assets, go out and invest because again, like I, I feel like a broken record saying it over and over again, but between the prospects, the picks, the the roster players now that you would conceivably move, you have enough to make two to three big moves, and still keep the core intact and not have to, uh, you know, move anybody that's of 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 real substance on the roster right now. And even if you do that and you move somebody of real substance on the roster right now, it can be done in a way that you are getting the best player in the deal. Like, I just, I want the Sabres to have a couple of moves here where it's a bigger deal and they are getting the best player, not the other way around where they're selling the best player off for, for parts. Like you have the assets to be a team that can do that right now. Go do it. Make yourself better. Like that. You can't wait around for this to happen and wait around to make the playoffs. Go fucking take it.
1: Yeah. It could be next year. We've said this before. I know. Uh, it's, it sounds crazy now, but I, we talked about the East being open because the Atlantic in particular is a good way to look at it. We said this before, the top three teams, I mean, Florida is still great. I don't know how long that will last, but Florida, they're the best team in the East in general. But Boston is worse than last year. Tampa's worse than last year. And Toronto, eh. Toronto's their, their core isn't quite old. I know people are getting impatient with it. The thing is with them, it, well, Tavares is getting old, I guess you would say. Is now they have a terrible GM. So they probably will be getting worse. And they do not have a lot of draft picks. They gave up a lot of draft picks in the past couple trade deadlines. So Tampa, is now a like they're a team that's in gonna be the wild card. They they're not guaranteed to make the playoffs. They're fighting for a playoff spot right now, despite having a guy who's probably gonna win the Hart trophy. That's tough. Uh Boston, no doubt about it, they're worse. They have been monumentally lucky on special teams this year and good on special teams, I would say, but they're not a dynamite five on five team anymore. And there's only so long you can hold that off. So they're, you know, they're on their way out too, in terms of being a top top team that could potentially win the cup. Toronto is not even that kind of team. So, but I think they're worth mentioning. And it's like, are you going to lose a race to Detroit or Ottawa or Montreal? Someone has got to be good enough in the Atlantic to win. It might as well be you. And it's not like the, the uh metropolitan is full of like young teams on the rise. Like look at Washington. Washington's gonna be bad for years. This is Washington being kind of lucky this year to be in the spot they're in. And they're outside of the playoff picture. Detroit, no, Detroit's not in the metro. What am I saying? Pittsburgh. Buddy, they are in for uh an interesting few years. The Islanders might be worse off than both those teams. We just say two. It's crazy. The-
0: the Islanders, it's really interesting with them. They are obviously not having success after uh, hiring Patrick Waugh, but like, I just don't know how anybody could look at that and and I don't think anybody is necessarily, but like you cannot put that on Patrick Waugh for how this team is. They're just poorly constructed. They really are. They're an unexciting yeah. and uninspiring team. I think in the Metro, to your point about the Metro, too, the only team I would say, or two teams I would say, I mean, obviously the Rangers are set up to be good for a bit, but Mm. I think
1: think,
0: for a bit, I mean, like probably the next like two years, two, three years, I think. Probably. I think three years, probably confidently, you know, when you consider elite goalie, you have a, a couple of good veterans up front that still have some miles in the tank. Obviously the young guys in Lafreniere and Kako haven't lived up to their expectations, but they're at least serviceable. Um, I, I think that they can stick around. I mean, you have an elite defenseman in Adam Fox, like uh, New York will be okay for a few years, New Jersey. I want to bring up too with this. I love him to death. Bless his heart forever in our hearts but they get the right coach in there new jersey is going to be humming i think they have a lot of good young talent and the infrastructure to really be set up for a while and especially if they end up making a trade for jacob markstrom or uc Saros. yeah Uh, i was gonna say they need a goalie
1: yes more than a coach
0: yes agreed with that markstrom or Saros, i think makes all the difference for them and the only other team that has good youth but is just seems like they're miles and miles off and are in complete disarray is Columbus, and I am not scared of them at all. They just have a lot of good prospects and a lot of, like, good younger guys, which, like, they deserve credit for that. Like, they have a lot of really promising young dudes on that team, Fantilli, Voronkov, um, uh, uh, kind um, the- of yeah, exactly, Ken Johnson. The other defenseman that they took in the first round, I'm totally blank. It's not Mintikov. He's it's the other one. Um Mintikov is with is is with Anaheim. I got to look him up. I'm I'm totally like having a brain fart right now. But they're even like just so unbelievably far off and have all of this money invested in guys like Ivan Provorov and they made like the Shane uh the Dane um Damon Severson like move this offseason, which again was really puzzling for them to be the team to do that so they're not somebody necessarily i'm worried about but yeah i mean you're right like your point stands like the metro and really the east in general like this is the time where teams are like i'll say this it's the time to do this now before the teams that are aging retool
1: yeah i mean boston doesn't really stay bad for long ever if, no. if they ever even get bad i'm mean, i don't even say they're going to get bad but they i think this this boston team right now is being really propped up by goaltending and special teams even though they're going to have good goaltending they have two good goalies. It's not always going to be as good as it's been the last two years. And their special teams, I mean, it, it can be good. It, it could. It, they're a little bit more – that's a little bit less, I'd say, solid than being good at five-on-five, meaning it can fluctuate a lot more. I will say in Columbus, though, the thing with them having good prospects is they're, <laughs> two of their best prospects seem to hate <laughs> hate playing there already and are mm-hmm. not happy with it. Ken Johnson and Juracek have already made a stink about – just generally how they're being handled in Columbus. So I don't know. I guess we'll see. Easy to forget that Columbus was supposed to be coached by Mike Bob Mike Babcock this year. Yeah. So things are kind of already – this is not the season they plan to have. But still, I don't know. They, they fired their GM. They still have the same team president. We'll see. I'll say this, though. The only team we didn't really mention in the Metro – oh, Carolina. Carolina will keep getting good for a few years, I guess. I don't know. Fuck Same bullshit forever. But Philadelphia – they are a classic torts team right now. I don't know. I mean, they might make the playoffs this year, which would be great for them. They Philadelphia has not won a playoff series, I think, in or maybe they have won one in like the last 10 years. We talked about this in the last episode. I don't know. I think they won some bullshit in the bubble. Who knows? Yeah. But anyway, you know, what I was gonna say is they it's not the good way to talk about this necessarily, but an after effect of what's going on with the sexual assault trial with Hockey Canada is they don't have a goalie. This is a guy that's supposed to be their goalie for probably at least a decade more. Mm-hmm. They don't have, they never have him again, which would be deserved. If he's found guilty, like he wouldn't deserve to play again, but mm-hmm. from their perspective, they don't have, they don't have him anymore. That was a huge building block that they are just losing. So I re- and I really don't know where they stand. I know they have Mitch It They have his rights at least. Yeah. I don't know where else they stand prospect-wise. I think people are pretty happy with their prospects and you know the trades they've made in the last couple of years. But I don't see them being like, oh, these are the guys right now that are going to lead us to the next like five to ten years of Philadelphia Flyers hockey. It feels like Torts is just getting the most of a pretty mad team that's full of it's a mix of veterans and young guys.
0: Agreed. Also, the Columbus Blue Jackets defenseman that I was thinking of that was the other first-round defenseman was uh, Denton Matechuk. So that's my my bad on that one. Anyways, Taylor, should we hear a word from our sponsors before we move on? Yeah, absolutely.
1: We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner at the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. So, for example, tonight the Sabres are taking on the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Lightning... Our favorite on home ice at the tune of minus 170 on the money line, so good for them. If you want to bet on that or on anything else, you gotta download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now with promo code THPN. New customers can bet just five bucks on the NHL and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler or visit www.1800Gambler.net. New York, call 877 8 OpenY or text OpenY at 467 369 Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling, call 888 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age vary by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. students see dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2024, all rights reserved. So, anything else we want to talk about? We're going to the game Saturday.
0: We are. Sabres Vegas should be exciting,
1: I hope. Yeah, we don't know if Jack Eichel's playing or not yet.
0: He could be. He could be. He is traveling with the team right now. Not expected. I believe they're playing tonight. I don't believe he is expected to dress, but it is possible that he is able to play Saturday against the Sabres. And that would be his first game in in a couple weeks. So that that's uh, something to keep an eye out for on Tuesday. He was practicing in a non-contact Jersey. So remains to be seen, but would be
1: interesting. But also if he doesn't play, that would be a nice boost for the Sabres. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, I mean, for the moment, it still seems like he's in the red non-contact jersey in practice. Mm -hmm. That's the last update we've gotten on him. But it's been like a month, right? Maybe a little more than a month. Let me see what the last game was. Yeah. uh, Yeah, he last played on
0: January 11th.
1: Oh, boy, that's so more than six weeks. Yeah. Yeah, interesting thing with him because he's not at the level where it's like, oh, my God, this guy's injuries are going to cost him his career. But his injuries are going to make his career totals look really weird because he never plays 82 games.
0: Right. like at like a point-per-game pace, but he has that like 44 points in 42 games right now.
1: Yeah, I I believe, looking at their draft year – hold on, I'll look it up real quick. But I think, weirdly, in the 2015 draft – Brendan, do you want to guess who's played the most games?
0: Either McDavid or Marner probably. No. Uh, Rantanen? Nope. No, it wouldn't be him. Yeah, it definitely wouldn't be him. Um, is it like Noah Hannafin?
1: It is Noah Hannafin. He's played 657 go. games already. Which is to say, he has played, even though they both started at the same time, they both came right after the draft, he's played 139 more games than Eichel. So close to two seasons more than Eichel. Wow. Uh, about a season and three quarters. But the Eichel thing... um, his rookie year, he played – he only missed one game, which I remember. He was sick. It wasn't even an injury. Year two, the the slap shot off the skate, missed the first 21 games. Year three, got hurt during the season, missed 15 games. Year four, uh, kind of Jack Huckle, you were going talk about. 82 points in 77 games. Uh, he pretty much played the whole year. That was the year they collapsed. And then he kind of – he played what looked like it was going to be a full season in 2019-20. But surprise, buddy <laughs> – COVID's here, so no. That's year he finished seventh in Hart Trophy voting. And then, obviously, his rib injury, his neck injury. He goes to Vegas and plays the last 34 games. So he played 21 games, and he played 34 his first year in Vegas. Last year in Vegas, missed 15 games in the middle of the season. And this year, same thing. It's an interesting thing. I mean, so now he's, he like you said, he's almost a point-of-game player. He's 490 points in 518 games. Uh, but his draft year is so good that he's nowhere near, he's fifth in points in his draft class. I think most draft classes, he would be first or second with that kind of output. But Goodness. He is behind McDavid, Marner, Randon, and Sebastian Aho.
0: It's really um, crazy how good that draft was. I remember, God, it had to have been three, four years ago where we did the, the brackets with everybody voting. We should maybe do that again sometime where we do like the March Madness of NHL drafts of the 21st century. That was a lot of fun.
1: It was. And I think at this point, you might start saying 2015 looking even better than 03. I 03 really super so. deep. But how many Hall of Famers are in 03? Bergeron and then Flurry, maybe?
0: Yeah. Um, maybe. The disrespect to Thomas Vanek. How dare you?
1: <laughs> I'd say this right off the bat, though. Who knows about Hall of Famers? This one has McDavid. He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. But the top of this one, I think, is better than the top of 03. Not the top of the draft, but the best guys. I'm saying. Yeah, so. yeah. McDavid, Mar, like look at Marner. Marner's well over a point a game player for his career. Miko Rantan a two-time 50 goal scorer. Sebastian Ajo, uh, whatever, who cares? Eichel, Kyle Connor, Barzell, who was one of the two or three Calder winners from this class. No, only you know what? There was no McDavid didn't win the Calder because that was Panarin. So unfair, whatever. But like Timo Myers in this class, Kirill Kaprizov group hints that's a hall of famer right there <laughs> as Brendan's often said uh, <laughs> but like even guys that are down the line a little bit second rounder vince dunn vince dunn's good he's amazing yeah so troy terry anthony sorelli and then it's crazy how far you have to scroll down in points to see lawson kraus who <laughs> never forget was invited along during the draft when they put all the top quote-unquote top guys together McDavid, Eichel, Marner, Strome, Hannafin, Lawson, Krauss. Hell yeah. Never forget. Hell yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, getting back to actually playing Vegas. Yeah, it should be interesting. It's going to be an interesting day to, to give uh, people a, a peek behind the curtain. I'm running the Shamrock Run at noon that day. Uh, I have I ran five miles earlier this week. It's, it's going to be a struggle. I was going to say, I'm... how are
0: you feeling? Are you feeling
1: prepared and and ready to go not really uh i have i'm out of shape due to uh, two big factors one i was in a car accident in november two um my behavior in terms of exercise and diet for the last 13 years so those two factors are working against me yeah that'll do it the weather seems nice i'll get it done that's all that matters is i'll finish the race then you know spend a few hours in a beer tent and then uh, meet Brendan, see what the Sabres are up to. Probably something good, I imagine. Let's hope. Yeah. We're trying to, so, we,
0: what's uh, what's Yvonne doing that day? Are we are we doing something after, post-game? I would be delighted to do that. Yvonne, if you're listening
1: right now. Nah, he's not listening. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, just looking at Vegas, I think the people might be wondering, you know, like, Vegas, So the, the – reigning champions we're gonna get crushed right i don't know Mm. i don't know that they are well it depends
0: i mean they have good goaltending speaking of which aiden hill back
1: logan thompson having a good year yeah i think Mm. aiden hill being back is the big thing aiden hill is like good good he is good good can you imagine
0: this time last year saying that aiden hill could conceivably be the front runner to be the starting goalie for team Canada in the Olympics. <laughs> is that not like the most preposterous thing like a year ago? Compared oh to man. Now?
1: It was only a short, I don't know what, like 15 months ago, maybe 16 months ago that I said, Aiden Hill is on Vegas. Not right. And you and um, Anthony were like, nah, I don't think so. I think he's on the shark still. And I was like, no, nah, I think they traded for him, maybe, I don't know.
0: <laughs> oh my God.
1: Uh, he could have won the but yeah. So he's back. That's the big thing to me because other than that, for like sure. I, I think I mentioned this, like they are since their hot start, they are twenty two, nineteen and one, six, 22, 19 and six. Which if you're keeping track, means they're losing more than they're winning. They were without Aiden Hill for a lot of that time, and they have been out like without Eichel, as we mentioned, without Stone. Mark Stone too. Yeah, we'll see if Stone comes Theodore
0: back. was out for a while as well. Like they've had a lot of significant oh. injuries.
1: They have, and they do not have a lot of scoring depth this year. So, interesting thing. Uh, Also, a lot of people seem to be grumbling about them loading up with guys on IR. Michael's going to come back, so that's not really the case. We'll see what happens with Stone, but I'm kind of over that whole thing because that the whole thing with uh, the conversation, I mean, with the IR thing, with teams loading up at the trade deadline and then activating guys for the playoffs, that's totally luck based. I think these people are just assuming this really, these nefarious uh, objects of being like, "Oh, you're not really hurt. Just say you're hurt, so we can trade for someone." That doesn't come on.
0: And when it's like the best player on the team.
1: Yeah, you think the players is gonna be? You think in 2021 the Lightning were like, "Okay, Nikita Kucherov, here's what we're gonna do: You're gonna miss every game for the whole regular season." And then, no, what actually happened is that happened. He had this big injury, and the season was relatively short because of COVID. That they were like, hey, hmm, we have an opportunity to trade for a bunch of guys we wouldn't be able to normally afford, and maybe that means that Kucherov doesn't get a game the last week of the regular season to warm up for the playoffs. Maybe, maybe, maybe he just was ready for game one. I don't think that's that nefarious because the, you know, the trade off is Nikita Kucherov didn't play one regular season game. Yep. Like, and then the other, like for example, Chicago when Packing got hurt, whatever there was almost ten years ago, he was hurt. Everyone saw it. He crashed on the boards and broke his collarbone in February. Not Right, it's to like instead season. of
0: having this guy play with us down the stretch, and I get it if you know you're going to be a playoff team, but like, is it more worth it to not have one of those guys who is one of the best players on your team be playing and be in a rhythm and then have to not play in a game for three months and then bring him back for the playoffs just so that you can go trade for a guy who during the rest of the regular season is more likely than not not going to be nearly as good as the guy that you're sitting, it, it just, I understand it, people getting they frustrated. Spent it on there.
1: like, uh, um, wasn't it like teaming in, is wow. that who they acquired?
0: Hell yeah. We love a chemo team in reference.
1: <laughs> so like, it wasn't like, they're like, hell yeah, we're going to go get an all-star and it, they never are. But I don't know that whole conversation. I think it's kind of old to me unless there's a really egregious example at some point or one of the past that I'm missing. Uh, I don't, I don't know. Mm. It, it feels bad. Also, the thing with the Blackhawks that year is they could have used Kane down the stretch. Now, it didn't matter. They won the cup anyway, but like they were not the dominant regular season Blackhawks. They were not putting themselves in a good position. Maybe some teams just don't care about standing. You know, like the Lightning have been, they were the three seed for, I think, two of both of their recent cups, or at least one of their, re- no, it's just one, the one cup win and one cup loss. Mm-hmm. Like, so some teams don't care. They look at it as not mattering as much in the playoffs, which maybe it doesn't, but like the Blackhawks were third that year. And they definitely could have been first if they had Kane. The Blues were first. The Predators were second. So, like, it doesn't matter. They beat the Predators in the playoffs. Yeah. Any other thoughts to share, Taylor, before we sign off? Uh, oh, so do I have any recommendations? Uh, hmm, I thought I did. Oh, yeah, not a recommendation. Tymon, two-time reigning Monsignor Martin basketball champions. So proud. They really only
0: pump out Buffalo's best and
1: brightest. That's true. Everyone is uh, smart and also handsome that goes there. That is what they say. Yeah. And apparently now good at basketball. That's a new development. We love that.
0: absolutely love that yeah all right everybody well thanks for tuning into this episode of straight up sabers presented by the hockey podcast network and the charging buffalo make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites and whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows That being across the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo, who you can also find on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you're active on any of those sites, you can also find us, Straight Up Sabres, before you close out of this app, whatever you're using to listen to this episode of Straight Up Sabres. Make sure you are either following or subscribed to us, and we'd very much appreciate it if you leave us a nice rating or review. Last but not least, we have our wonderful sponsor, that being DraftKings Sportsbook. Use that promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals. We hope everybody has a great rest of their weekend. We will be back with a brand new episode on Monday. Thank you all so much for tuning in. This has been Straight Up Sabres.